Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Fantastic. Hey, Pompano, it's so good to see you this morning. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us. We began this series called A Thrill of Hope last week. If you missed it, I encourage you to go back, listen to the message. And uh, we, we talked about the anchor of hope last week. I, I think it's a powerful message for, for some of us to realize. And if you missed it, I want to encourage you to go back, watch it on, on our Coastal Church app. You can watch it online on our website. You can go listen to, download the podcast, do whatever it takes to, to listen to that message, especially in this season where we need so much hope. And, and, and I'm actually enjoying the Christmas season this year. Anybody else enjoying the Christmas season right now? A couple of us. My wife was decorating yesterday. We put up like a kind of a tree. Uh, well, she put up a kind of a tree in our house and put lights on it and everything. I sat there and watched and judged it, you know, the normal kind of Christmas stuff. It was, it was fantastic. And, uh, but but I, I was thinking about hope this week, and uh, it got me thinking about our, our fuel tank, our gas gauge in our car. All of us have a gas gauge in our car, hopefully. And uh, all of us interact with the gas gauge a little bit differently. All of us have different reactions to, to the gas tanks uh, in the fuel in our life. And so some of us, we react differently. When our car, we're driving along and all of a sudden our gas tank starts to get, you know, our gas starts to get low, like maybe to like a quarter of a tank. There are some people out there that feel like, man, my gas is starting to get low. I better start filling up at like a quarter of a tank. Anybody out there like that? Anybody, any quarter tank people? Man, there's a lot of quarter tank people here. Uh, you guys, you guys, uh, you know, like you're safety people. You, you put the seatbelt on in the parking lot to switch spaces. I mean, y'all are crazy. Uh, and so like... You guys, you guys are prepared for everything. Then there's some other people that they live a little bit more dangerously. Maybe they, maybe they let it get down to like, you know, this, this section of the gas tank. Anybody, anybody out there like that? Any of those people? We got a couple of those out there. They're a little bit, they live on the edge a little bit. Then there's some people that they, they like to kind of go, they live dangerously. I mean, they're, they're like, like right about there. Any, anybody out there that's, that that's where they live? Yeah, my wife is raising her hand because that is definitely where she lives. Uh, you know, and, and and like, man, this was me for a long time. I, I lived at this place, but I, I'm here to tell you I am reformed. Uh, I, 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 all it takes is running out of gas two or three times and it will, it will, it will change you forever. And so like, I'm not quite as dangerous. I, I, I said I'm reformed, so I'm about here now. And so like, I've, I've changed my ways and uh, it's not good in our household. We're always getting to the car and like, dang it, there's no gas in the car. And so, uh, but this, this is what I know is, is, is the gas gauge and the fuel gauge or the hope gauge in our life are very, very similar. You know, when we start getting low, it causes some things to start to happen in our lives. It causes some anxiety to start to take place. It causes some, some, some uh, self-doubt to start to take place. It starts some worries starting to take place. And, and what I've found is, is that just like gas is so important to get you places in your vehicle, hope is so important to get you places in your life. Because if you're lacking in hope, man, hope is what fuels you. Hope is what drives you. Hope is what gives you some perspective of your future. And when your hope starts to get low in life, it starts to jack your life up. And, and, and some of us in life, our, our hope meter is down here in, in the low element. We're, we're running on empty. We're running on fumes in life. In fact, I was, I was reading uh, just about the political climate of this great 
political season that we just had has got so many people feeling hopeless in America right now. And then on top of that, so many of us have faced rejection in life and we've faced rejection after rejection that that you're not sure you could ever love again. You're not sure that you can open your heart up to other people ever again. Some of you have faced so much disappointment in your life that you're not sure that you have any fight left within you and and your hope meter, your hope gauge is getting low. Some of us are, are facing so much frustration and we've been frustrated for so long that we're just ready to throw in the towel of this thing called life. And the most dangerous thing can be when your hope meter gets low, when your hope gauge starts to get low because all of a sudden, all you start to focus on is the pain and the regret and the sorrow of life. And when you start focusing on that, you lose perspective on the realities of what God is trying to do in your life. And so this is a bad place to be. And so today what I want to do is I want to I focus kind of on, on a statement that I just want to give you on the front end. This is kind of the thrust of this entire message. And, and I want us to get this because this is so critical, especially for hope in our lives. And, and the statement is this. I put it in your worship guide, in your outline. It's this. When you hope again, you start to feel alive again. When you hope again, you start to feel alive again, just like your car, when you put some more gas in it, all of a sudden you have, you have some places that you can go. When you start to hope again, all of a sudden it starts to fuel your soul. It starts to fuel your life. It starts to change everything about you in life. I mean, how many of us wouldn't mind feeling a little bit more alive? How many of us wouldn't mind feeling a little bit more of a rush Uh, of God doing something in our lives. Because when you start to feel more alive, everything in life changes. Your prayer life starts to get so much deeper. Your spiritual journey with God starts to become so much more real in your life. All of a sudden, the things that used to be doom and gloom are all of a sudden life and opportunity because the problem isn't a problem. It's an opportunity now. Because hope changes everything. So the question is, 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 is how do we hope again? What are some things that we can hang on to? What are some resources that we can grab a hold of? And I think that, that in 1 Peter, if you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to be hanging out there. I think that Peter gives us some resources that we can take in our life to uh, start to hope again so we can feel alive again in life. And uh, as you're turning there to 1 Peter, if you don't have a Bible, you can look in your worship guide. All the scripture will be up on the, on the screen. But I think Peter is somebody that that understands hope and hopelessness. And so he can relate to both of us. Maybe you're extremely hopeful here today. Maybe you're feeling kind of hopeless today. Maybe your hope gauge is pretty low. Peter can relate because Peter was a guy who was one of Jesus' closest disciples. In fact, he was in the inner circle of the three that were closest to Jesus. He traveled with them. He saw all these amazing miracles. He was the first to recognize that Jesus was the son of God and declared to other people. But at the same point, while that would give Peter a lot of hope, at the same point when Jesus was arrested, Peter was the first one to deny even knowing Jesus. In fact, when people came and, and said, hey, man, you, you know that dude? And, and Peter's like, man, I've never seen that G before in my life. And uh, like he just, he just denied Jesus. Um, and, and as the third time happened, it says the Bible says the rooster crowed. And he realized that I'm sure his hopelessness for his character in that moment was extremely low. 
And then he had believed that Jesus was the son of God and he was going to be this great king and, and resurrect and lead their people into victory and freedom. And all of a sudden, Jesus dies on the cross. All of his hopes, all of his dreams, all of his desires, all of those things, I'm sure, went down the drain in that moment. You want to you experience some feelings of hopelessness, give your life to something for three years and then have it just disappear in a day. But we all know that three days later, Jesus rose again. And in the midst of rising again, one of the first things he said is he said, go get Peter. And they go and they get Peter. And what does Jesus do? He restores him. And he says, upon this rock, referring to Peter, I'll build my church. And this is what I want all of us to know. It doesn't matter where you're at in life, whether you have a lot of hope or you don't have any hope. God wants to call into your life and do something great and restore hope in a greater manner than you've ever seen before. He wants to give you a hope for your future. And so in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 2, it says, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago. Now, those are big words right there because it says God chose you and he knew you. We're going to come back to that. And his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and you have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. May God give you more and more grace and peace. Now, there is a lot right here, but one of the first things that Peter points out to them is that God chose you and God knew you. God knew you and God chose you. Like, do you comprehend the fact that God knew you? God knows every single thing about you. He knows your pros. He knows your cons. He knows your past. He knows your present. He knows your thoughts. He knows your quirkiness. He knows your weird, your weird things that you do when you're all by yourself and you don't think anybody's looking. God's looking. He knows. He knows what you say. He knows what you think. Hello. That's a bad one right there. And in spite of knowing all of that stuff, he chose you. He knew you. He fully knows you. And he chose you. It's incredible. And so Peter right here, he, he, he gives us a principle that we have got to grab hold of. And it's this. You and I, we have got to reject your rejection. You have got to reject your rejection. Rejection can be detrimental to our life. And all of us have faced rejection, especially when it comes to relationships. If you've ever dated in life, you've probably experienced some rejection in life. And this week I was, I was just looking around at some things and I found this Instagram that was called texts from your ex. And it was all of these rejection texts. And I just thought I'd share a couple with you. One of them was this. It says, did you see the shooting star? And the other person replies, yeah. And I wished you would leave me alone. That's a pretty harsh rejection right there. I mean, how about this one? This, this one's pretty good. I always want to text you and tell you I miss you, but never do. I miss you. And the guy replies, keep never doing that. I love his grammar. Keep never doing that. It's incredible. My favorite one, though, is this one. It says, I have a song for you called, it's called I Want You Back by Cheryl Lloyd. And the person responds, oh, I have a song for you, too. And they're like, what's it called? It's called We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together by Taylor Swift. And they're like, okay. <laughs> it's funny to laugh about other people's rejection, but when we experience rejection, it's painful, isn't it? Like if, if that was a text you got, you'd be like, oh man, I'm, this is terrible. They hate me. And a lot of us have experienced rejection in life. And, 
And, and I, was, I was researching this week, and, and researchers say that rejection it, it can be so detrimental to our lives. In fact, one of the things that rejection does is rejection, it, it, it travels along the same neurological paths within our body as physical pain it does. And so it's why when you have some emotional rejection happen in your life, it's why a lot of us feel like, man, somebody just socked me in the gut. Anybody ever had that feeling before? And you're like, oh, man, like, like it physically hurts. We want to know why? Because emotional rejection uses the same pathways as if somebody really did punch you in the stomach. They say not only that, but that, that neurological pain, because it's not a physical pain, whereas like a physical pain, I could be walking in my house and I could stub my toe. And like I experienced physical pain in that moment. And I might experience some sin in that moment as well. You know what I like some other people... <laughs> You've been there too. Uh, but when I think about stubbing my toe, my toe doesn't hurt anymore, does it? No, like, because I did that last night, so my toe is fine now. But when we experience emotional rejection, what happens in life for a lot of us is, is that when we think about that emotional rejection, we can re that pain that we felt in that moment is almost the same pain that we can feel right now today. And the funny thing is, is, is researchers say that we have about 90% of the same thoughts every single day. And so if we haven't learned how to deal with the rejection that we're experiencing, then every single day we can be dealing with those emotional things, that rejection that we have, and you can see how that can be so detrimental to our soul and to our spiritual journey. They say not only that, but researchers say that when you experience emotional rejection, if you experience it often enough, you'll start to distance yourself from relationships. You'll start to push people away because you just say to yourself, like, I don't want to experience that kind of pain again in my life. And so many of us, we, we're facing rejection in life. And right here, Peter is telling us to reject our rejection. What's the opposite of rejection? It's being chosen. So people reject us and we got to reject the rejection because we have got to realize that you and I, we are chosen by a living God. And what Peter is saying is he's saying, listen, I know you're running really, really low on hope and you think the game is over. You think the movie is coming to a close, but it ain't finished yet. Listen, it doesn't matter who's rejected you because God has chosen you fully and completely. And in verse three, Peter just kind of continues and he, he starts kind of going off on some people. In fact, if, if he were here today, we would call him, he's starting to preach right here. And this is what he says in verse three. He says, all praise to God, the father of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. In some translations, in fact, the translation that's right below it says that we have been born into this living hope. It means that we have this hope that's not dead. It's not yesterday's hope. It's not from the past. It's a living hope that's present, not only here for today, but for tomorrow. He says, because God has raised Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change 
or decay. He says, we have this hope. We have this expectation that is beyond the reach of change or decay. I don't, understand, I don't know if you get how big and how vast that is. He's saying, listen, listen, the hope that we have is beyond the reach of the political climate right now. It's beyond the reach of what your friends on Facebook are doing right now. It's beyond the reach of the pain that you're experiencing this month in your finances. It's way beyond that. It's beyond the reach of your past family history. The hope that we have is beyond the reach of, of, of decay in the past. And that is good news for every single one of us. And he says, and through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. And Peter says, listen, 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 right here. This is what he's saying. He's saying you aren't rejected, but you are chosen today. And not only are you chosen, but you're chosen to receive mercy and to live in this living hope that is alive and active in your life. And I just want you to grasp that right now. I just want you to think about this for this moment. The God of the universe chose you. Before you ever had a choice to choose him, he's saying, you know what? In spite of all their scruples, I choose them. And I choose for them to have joy. I choose for them to have peace. I choose for them to have love. I choose for them to have mercy. I choose for them to experience the fullness of this life. I choose for them to have a purpose and a plan. And listen, nobody can take that away because God chose you. Man, I'm preaching way better than you responded. And so for you and I, if you want to hope again, so you can feel alive again, you got to start rejecting your rejection that's from this world because you have been accepted and you have been chosen. Second principle that, that Peter points out here is you and I, we have got to see God in our hardships. We've got to see God in our hardships because when, when it comes to what we believe in life, a lot of us believe some things that I would say are myths. And, and I went and looked up some, what are some of the biggest myths that are out there that people believe? Uh, one of them that people believe a lot is, is that uh, you only use about 10% of your brain every day. Anybody ever heard that myth before? You only use 10% of your brain? So psychologists and, and researchers actually show that you use about 20% of your brain on average. In fact, some scientific studies say that you use up to 100% of the left side of your brain every single day. But yet, a lot of us, we believe that, man, I only use 10% of my brain. I'm stupid because I only use 10%. No, you're, you're way better than that. You're 20. <laughs> Another myth that we believe that has been told, in fact, I heard this on TV yesterday, is, is that lightning never strikes the same place twice. Anybody ever heard that? Yeah, a lot of us have. Do you know that the Empire State Building gets struck about 100 times every year? Do you know that there's a tree uh, near the top of Pikes Peak in Colorado that when storms roll in, it'll get struck three, four, five times in the same storm? And so there are some things that we believe in life uh, just that the world has told us, but I think that there's also some things that we believe about our faith that are actually myths that we have bought into. One of the myths that we buy into a lot is that God just doesn't care. We think that the, in the presence of pain, means that it's the absence of God in our lives. If there's pain in my life, then that means that, that God is not 
present in my life. And we think that if we're hurting, that he isn't available, that he doesn't love us. Maybe he's mad at us. Maybe he's angry at us. And, and, and we think, man, he's getting back at us for something we did way, way back in the past. And, and we, we end up with this perspective that we think that God just does not care about us. Another myth that I see people believing a lot is that my pain is permanent. When you're going through a painful situation, that that pain is permanent. My stepdad used to say this to me all the time, and maybe some of your parents or grandparents would say this to you as well, but my stepdad would always tell me, this too shall pass. Anybody else ever heard that statement? This too shall pass. But when you're in the middle of pain, you don't feel like that's ever going to pass, do you? You feel like, man, this is, this is permanent. This is never going to leave me. Like, I'm stuck with this for the rest of my life. And, you, and, you, and if somebody goes, well, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and you're like, yeah, but that's a train coming to run me over. Like, you just get bad perspective. It's a myth that you believe in. So, so Peter kind of responds to these myths in verse 6. He says, so be truly glad, which is crazy, because he's talking to people that feel hopeless at the moment. I'm a hopeless and you're telling me to be glad. What, say what, Peter? Like, why would you say that? Like, what is your perspective? And, and, and Peter goes, well, because there is a wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Everybody say, for a little while. while. Come on, say, for a little while. For a little while. Remember that. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. And so Peter, Peter kind of breaks this down and he says, listen, hardship in your life is a lot like the process of refining gold. And so when you refine gold, what they do is they, they dig up gold from the earth, and there's a lot of other elements that are with it. And so they put it in fire, and they heat that fire up to about 2,100 degrees Fahrenheit. How many of y'all know that? That was pretty hot. That's a little warm. Uh, and, and as they heat it up to 2,100 degrees Fahrenheit, all those other things besides the gold start to rise to the top. In fact, they call it dross. And at the end of the process, they scrape the dross off. And what you have left is you have a pure piece of gold. And he's saying, just like heat purifies gold, sometimes God allows the temperature in your life to be turned up so he can refine you. And sometimes that heat in life is a little painful, but there's a purpose to the pain. God's got something on the other side of it. And what he's doing in the midst of that pain is he's working out some things that aren't supposed to be there. He's working off the dross in your life so he can refine you before he defines you. A lot of us, we want to be defined. And God's like, man, I can't define you until I refine you. And that means you're going to have to go through some pain so I can get you through the process so that you can be at this place where you'll trust me. Because that's what God is after. God is after, will you trust me that I'm at work in the middle of your process? Even though it's painful, even though it's, it's, a, it's a little uneasy feeling, like I'm still there in your midst. And I know some of you all are like, but TJ, man, I feel like I'm out of gas and I feel like I don't have any hope and I feel like I'm at this place and you don't know what my pain is like. And you're right, I don't know what your pain is like. I probably haven't gone through your pain, but I've experienced pain. 
And maybe I'm not the best person to to understand pain. Maybe somebody like Corey Ten Boom, who was uh, uh, in concentration camps in, in Nazi Germany, understands pain a little bit better than probably even you do. And it's hard to trust God in the midst of the pain. But this is what Corey Ten Boom said. She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to an unknown God. Check that out. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. She goes, listen, I know you don't know what tomorrow holds or next week holds or next year holds, but I do know what God holds. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God never changes. The future, we don't have any idea what change that is going to be, but God doesn't change. And you can hold on to that. You can hold on to the fact that he is kind. You can hold on to the fact that he is compassionate. You can hold on to the fact that he is forgiving, that he is grace-filled, that he is all-loving and all-knowing and cares deeply for you. You can hold on to that. That's why Peter says, in a little while. Listen, your situation right now, it might seem crazy might seem like, man, the pain is never going to end. You've raised your kids in the right way, parents, and they're running off and they're going nuts right now. And you're going, what the heck is going on? And God would say to you today, in a little while, don't give up your future because you don't know what that is. Trust me, because in a little while, I'm going to make your joy complete. For those of us that are facing some financial difficulties in this month, more month than there is money, you're going, man, what am I going to do? And God is going, trust me, in a little while, I'm refining you so I can define you. When I define you, then I'll provide for you. Saying in a little while, God's going to work, he's going to show up, and he's going to bring everything that you need. But you got to hang on to hope. Because he isn't finished. And when you start to hope again, you'll start to feel alive again. And so you and I, we've got to reject our rejection. We've got to see God's hand in our hardships. And finally, we've got to lean on ultimate hope. I was trying to think of like what what could define ultimate hope. What is a picture uh, uh, of ultimate hope? And so this this is what I came up with with ultimate hope right here. You know, uh, a, a, a pug looking for a piece of pizza, like that's ultimate, look at those odds, like just hoping for the chance at a great meal, and, and like here, here is ultimate hope, expectation come to reality, this is what ultimate hope realized looks like, man, look at that, keeping those eyes right on that pizza, got to keep your eyes on the prize, this is what I know is that a lot of us, we have different hopes, we have hopes for our future, We have hopes for our careers. We have hopes for our kids. We have bucket list hopes. We have hopes to go certain places. We have hopes to meet certain people. And all those hopes are fine. There's nothing wrong with those hopes. But ultimate hope. Ultimate hope is the hope that will fill up your hope gauge. It's the hope that will make you start to feel alive again. And that ultimate hope is is found right here in God's word. It's the promises that he's given us. It's the hope that he's given us. Like like I've said, he's same yesterday, today, and forever. The things that he said in the past, he'll do in the present. And so I I went through some scripture this week, and I just just grabbed hold of some of the, the ultimate hopes 
that I hold on to, and, and, and we're going to put them up on the screen. They're not in your notes, but they're just some things that, that, that I trust in when I'm going through difficult circumstances. And there's scripture reference underneath them. We're not going to read them, but if you want to reference them, one of them is this, is that I trust that God is good, and he is for me. It's an ultimate hope. Another one is, is that I trust God will provide for all of my physical needs in life. Another one is this. I trust God is with me always, guiding and protecting and strengthening me all the days of my life. Another one is this. I trust God is working in my heart to produce more love and more joy and more peace in my life. Another one is that I trust God will bring good results from out of the bad things in this life. Anybody has some bad things happen in this life, I believe that God's going to produce something great in them. I know that nothing can cut me off from God's love, not even my own sin or my own guilt or my own shame. And that's, that's good news for me today. No matter how much I screw up, God still loves me and cares for me. I trust that God is making a new heaven and a new earth and that I have got a vital place in it. These are the ultimate hopes that I'm hanging on to in life. Circumstances are very easily come along and try to derail us in life. But when we have something that's solid, we talked about this last week, doesn't matter what storms life brings our way, we have something solid that we can hold on to. Nothing can take away our hope. Not the dolphins getting blown out last week like I told everybody they would. Some of you guys, you put your hope there, man, it's going to fail you every time, I promise you. Ryan Tannehill is terrible at quarterback. No, I'm just kidding. Here's the deal. It's ultimate hope that reminds you that God goes before you and God's behind you. That God is below you and God is above you. It's ultimate hope that, that allows you to know that God's got your past, he's there in your present, and he's working on your future. It's ultimate hope that, that allows you to believe that God can grow your spirit, that God can grow your character, that God can grow your trust, that God can grow your faith, that God can grow your life. It's, it's, it's ultimate trust and it's ultimate hope to know that nothing can separate you from God's love, not height, nor depth, nor width, not any principality on this earth, that nothing is going to take you away from the strength that he's holding you in right now. It's that ultimate hope that allows you to remember that he's got a hope and a future for your life. And so he isn't finished and he's still working and he's still doing some things in your life. And if you're experiencing some pain, that's good news because that means God's not done with you yet because he's still got a plan for you. And this is what we need to know. When you hope again, you start to feel alive again. Now, I don't know what your hope gauge looks like today. I'm going to guess there's quite a few of you that are running on E when it comes to hope. And God, who is the source of our hope, says, I want to fill you with a living hope, a hope that never dies, a hope that never goes away, a hope that's there. 